thinking about the message of love. I started the first Sunday in February and last week, and I want to finish up today, thinking about love and how that looks across the spectrum of life. It's easy for us to get caught up in love and romance for our spouse or our our boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, that's, there's something, and that's special, that's right, it's good. But there's so much more that I believe the Lord would have for us to to consider when it comes to to honor and respect. Um, And I say that because uh, if you're like me, you are aware that our culture is shifting rapidly away from honoring others, employers, parents, older folks, those who are a little slower than they think they ought to be. Um, I'm, I've had the horn blown at me more than once. I'm a little slow on the takeoff. It's like it just turned green and the horns are blowing. Really? It makes me want to just pause a little longer. But that's not Christian. So, but, but that's something that we have to learn. And how do we as believers, as followers of Christ, adapt to our culture and, and make a difference? And that's what I'm hoping to share with you today. Uh, I believe God has gone on record in the Old Testament and the New Testament of stating the importance of showing honor and respect to people groups. Um, It is what the fourth commandment in Exodus chapter 20 to honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. The Apostle Paul uh, reiterates that um, in the New Testament. And so, something that we need to understand. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 999. I like to just read four verses. This, these 16 verses of this chapter talk about taking care of and how we treat others. And it gives a lot of emphasis and time to talking about taking care of the widows in the church family. Um, And I believe that's something for us as well. Um, Probably won't touch on that a lot today. Uh, But 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, and we read, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children and or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Um, That's where I'd like to spend the majority of my time on thinking about how we interact with others. And the thing that stands out at me at first is... We don't do it all the same. We are called to treat different people groups, the older and the younger, older women and younger women, differently. We don't just treat them all the same. We have to learn how to be respectful and considerate uh, of those. Um, God goes on record when he talks about honoring and respecting your parents, for example, with the command that if a child does not honor their father and mother in the Old Testament. They were to be put to death. 
That's how important it was. In Exodus 21, 15 and 17, we read, anyone who strikes father or mother must be put to death. Anyone who dishonors father and mother must be put to death. I don't know that, but that took me in God's um, dealing with people. It is important that we learn to show respect and to honor. Um, but it's not just our parents, is it? In Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 32, we read, Stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear your God, I am the Lord. Again, I'm saying all these things because we read in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 about what's going to be, what, what our society is going to be like in the last days. Paul writing to Timothy, his last letter says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and, and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. So Paul is preparing Timothy to know how to deal with society as we get closer to the Lord's return, when, when the love of many will become colder and colder and, and spiritual life in the nation will be less and less, people will be thinking more about themselves. I think I've made my point. We are called to honor and to respect others. Father and mother, Exodus 20, verse 12. The elderly, Proverbs 16, verse 31. Those who rule over us, 1 Peter 2, 17. It says here, O people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And I'm, that makes me pause when I think that Peter wrote to those who were dispersed, who were being persecuted and had to flee for their life. And yet he writes to them saying, honor the king. Challenge for me um, in, in the culture in which I live. And we're also to respect the Lord. In Malachi chapter 1 and verse 6 we read, The Lord of heaven's army says to the priests, A son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? And I wonder to think about our level of honor and respect of our Heavenly Father. Has it increased? Have we become more in awe? And do we, are we more filled with reverence than, they, than we were, say, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago? Or do we see him as just this, this kindly grandfather in the sky who takes care of our needs and we can just go to him and, and he'll understand and he'll, he'll give us a pass. He asked Malachi, where is my honor? Where is my respect? They were not respecting God, when the, even in their sacrifices. They were going through the motions. But it was not at all the way God had commanded in the beginning that they presented their offerings. They were giving the lame and the blind and, and the, the ones who are blemished. And I wonder, as we gather for worship in a time like this, do we give our best to the Lord or is it... 
what we have left over that we bring as an uh, act of worship. The connection I want us to see today is that honor toward others, I believe, is directly related to love. Let me explain. I believe our knowledge of the Heavenly Father's love will carry through in how we love others. In First uh, John chapter 4 and verse 21, he says, And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. We are under the command of God to love each other. And I know sometimes that is difficult. We make it hard to be loved. But he doesn't qualify that statement. He just says love one another. And until we understand the love of the Father for his creation, for you and I, and we... Um, we experience that love and we, and we understand it. Um, we won't adequately love others the way that we should. And I, that led, led me to my second observation is that our love for him. Again, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16, he says, We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. We have given everything to him and trusting him. For his love toward us. And then we have our love toward our families. And First John again 3.18 says. Dear children. Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Um, the, where the rubber meets the road. And it's easy. Probably easier for us to love. Our family. The family of believers. Our nuclear family. But he also goes on record as saying we are to love our neighbors. In Romans chapter 13, in the, the end of verse 9, it says, "In Love your neighbor as yourself. I read of a, a, a man who uh, was living next to an older man. And that's why I kind of brought up the idea of cranky old people. Um, and they had a fence that divided their properties. And on that fence, on this Christian's side, he decided to put a nail in the fence on his side so he could hang a trial that he used in the yard and his flowers and things like that. What he, what he failed to realize was the nail went through the fence and poked through on the neighbor's side of the fence. And one day he heard this racket and looked out to see the trial that he had hanging on his side of the fence skirt across the driveway come to realize that the neighbor was out there with a hammer pounding the nail, the tip of the nail back through the fence because it was on his side. And that young, that, that Christian man, his first reaction was, well, he would just like to throw that trial over the fence and, and make a statement to this neighbor who's really wasn't hurting anything. But he thought about it and decided he would go over and address it with the man. And he immediately asked for forgiveness from this neighbor. So I, you know, I was being very insensitive when I put that nail in there. I should have thought, will you forgive me? And immediately this man's attitude changed. He said, hey, let's, let's just forget it. It was all over. And they walked away as friends. Um, that's what I believe we're called to do when it comes to loving our neighbors. I see in our text of 1 Timothy 5 that if we know love, we will show in the way we love one another. Um, even if, if that love isn't reciprocated, 
And, and maybe before we respond to an unkind act from somebody else, we ought to pause and think about it. And maybe we, we need to just count to 10 or 20 or 100 till we get a hold of our emotions and then ask the Lord, what is the best thing to do? How can I, how can I resolve this relationship for your glory? Talk about um, hitting somebody when they're down. This illustration really just uh, drives the point home about loving one another. A young man left his employer, a lumber merchant, and began business in competition with him. For a while, he prospered greatly and got many orders that would have gone to the firm he had left. But just when his business seemed to be most flourishing and he had more orders than he could supply, a huge fire in his yard destroyed all his lumber. The day after the fire, he saw his old employer coming toward his office. He said later, I could have hated him, for I thought he was coming to gloat over my misfortune. But he came to me as a friend in need and said, I know you have agreed to supply lumber to your customers by certain dates, and this unfortunate fire makes it impossible for you to do it. My lumber yard is at your disposal. You can have what you need and pay me at your own convenience. Your business may go on as usual. The young man was overwhelmed by this embodiment of the golden rule. The rivalry and the hatred that he had felt gave place to love. Again, his former employer would have had every reason to gloat and say, yes, you what you deserve. But he didn't do that. He put his own business on the line to help this young upstart continue to take care of, of his customers. The Apostle Paul, in giving instruction to Timothy here, is, is telling how, him how this young pastor uh, is to treat individuals in his congregation. Paul left Timothy at Ephesus to, to take care of some things that were lacking and to, to, to confront issues that were not truth, not according to, to doctrine. He was left there on his own to correct the teaching according to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. So I think about that too in my experience. It's so much easier when you, when you have a partner to go to and when you're dealing with difficult situations to not have to do it alone. But Paul left Timothy to take care of the things that were not being taught that that would have been according to sound doctrine. And he was to confront those um, and to uh, keep himself free from all of the arguments and the genealogies and all kinds of things that were happening in, in the church at Ephesus. He was to bring biblical truth and to correct those who were lying according to chapter 1 and verse 33. And that makes it even more profound to me when I think about Timothy. It appears was a timid man. He lived with a certain amount of fear of man. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, we read. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Don't let them despise your youth. Paul's admonition to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, he again reminds Timothy not to, 
to be timid and fearful. Uh, in our, in our, this letter he talks about to Timothy about using a little wine for his stomach's sake. And I thought about that as I was preparing this message. Was that stomach ailment that Timothy had because he was living with stress, dealing with the individuals in the church family, and, and it, it was giving him an anxious stomach or maybe even ulcers? I don't know, it doesn't say, but Paul goes on record to encourage Timothy to use a little wine for your stomach's sake. And yet the Apostle Paul wanted Timothy to learn the way to teach that was not only the most effective, but also the Lord's way. And that was with respect. For when, for example, to reason with believers, chapter 4 and verse 6, when to make an appeal to others, to believers in the church. When there was a time to rebuke those who were sinning and would not, would not repent. He was to rebuke them in the presence of the church, according to chapter 5 and verse 20. Yet, always with respect. I like the New King James Version of chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, where Paul writes to Timothy, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. 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 Christian, we're called to be gentle individuals. What does it mean to be gentle? It means to be kind, to be honorable, to be gentle. So what are the lessons I see for us in 1 Timothy 5? First and foremost, I believe we ought to treat others the way that we want to be treated. Isn't that what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 31? Do to others as you would like them to do to you. The golden rule. How we treat others. Someone has said, what good is it to give someone a rose after you've cut off their nose? Sometimes we can do that by the way that we try to correct those who we disagree with. Um, and I'm not saying we should try to correct. We should. But we need to do it with a spirit of love and respect and honor. Paul says we are to teach the truth to all. It reminded me of Ephesians 4.15 where we read, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Speak the truth in love. Um, I, I believe that's a learned behavior. For some of us, maybe more easier than others, based on our personalities or, or having experienced what we are having to do with another person, another believer. We're here to tell the truth, to correct error. But how we do that will make the difference of whether we win that brother back and there's reconciliation or we drive that brother or sister away. The third lesson I see is that everyone is worthy of honor and respect. James talks about that in his, his epistle of the importance of respecting, respecting. And he goes on to say of, of those who come into your, to your meeting and they're dressed to the till, to the, the hilt, and you, you make a special place for them, but somebody else comes in in raggedy clothes. 
And you say, well, go sit over there or, or just sit on the floor. And James has hard words for those in the church who do things like that. I read an illustration, a story about a nursing student who was in college. And one day the professor gave a, a pop quiz to the class. And this nursing student was, she knew her answers all the way to the last question. And the last question was, what is the name of the, the first name of the cleaning lady in your school? She said, what in the world kind of question is that for a nursing student? Uh, and she saw this cleaning person already, but had no idea who it was. So she left it blank and had it in her test. Somebody else in the class wasn't quite as comfortable and said, will this question count toward my grade? Absolutely, was the professor's response. He said, in your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is smile and say hello. I've never forgotten that lesson, she writes. I also learned that her name was Dorothy. We have not begun to show the love of Christ to others until we have treated them with respect, she concludes. I think that's so true. We, everybody deserves respect. Even if we disagree with them, we can agree to disagree and love them in spite of the air that they are continuing to hang on to. We continue to pray for them and debate with them and reason with them and, and try to teach them, show them how we understand scripture. All the while, all the while, doing it with respect and honor. Um, I heard a, a good illustration of that was when Solomon came to the throne and he established himself as king in the land. And then his brother decided to send Solomon's mother Bathsheba to try to coerce Solomon to giving uh, a certain woman as his brother's wife. And aside from how that played out, it says in the scripture that Solomon, when he saw his mother, came down off his throne and bowed before his mother in a sign of respect and honor. So much so that he even called to have a chair brought next to his throne to honor his mom. I thought that was, that was good. That's what we want to do. We want to, to be a people that continues to model respect and honor to those who deserve it and those who don't. And lastly, we, I believe, will never treat others as they deserve until we experience the love and the honor and the respect the Lord gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you understand what God has done for us because of his son? He has made us joint heirs with Jesus. All that Jesus has is ours. We have eternity waiting for us, a promise. First John talks about it in First John 5, 13, I believe. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Think about that, beloved. That's what God the Father did through his Son for us who didn't deserve it and still don't, I might add. But he loved his Son. And he gave us every opportunity to understand um, his love for us and our need to respect him, to honor him. So I want to encourage you as you go from here and you talk to your children and you model for them and explain to them how to 
to show respect in the school to their teachers and administrators. Um, I, I, I heard from our grandchildren, it was appalled to hear some of the, the things that go on in, in the local school. It's incredible that the vandalism and the disrespect that, that students have. And it's, it's so tempting to get caught up and to be a part of our peers because we want to fit in. But you, mom and dad, need to, you need to model that before your children. Explain to them that we don't live that way. We follow a different call for our life. Nothing's going to change. In fact, it's only going to get worse, in my opinion, if Christians don't show and model respect and honor in our world today. We are out there on the front lines, and I know it's hard some days. It's hard when you're getting beat down and you're getting reprimanded or written up for something you didn't do. First Peter talks about that, how we're to take it. God is honored by that, uh, the way that we would respond when we are um, mistreated, even when we're innocent. So I want to encourage us as we think about um, how we interact with people. We're going to do that. We do that every day. I want us to be sensitive to how we deal, especially with those who are older, 40 and above. We need to model it and give them a reason to respect us, to honor us by our behavior. Um, so let's do that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, and I, I thank you for the way that you went on record as calling your people to show respect and honor to their elders, to those who are older, even though perhaps they can't do what they once did and, and maybe are becoming more of a burden than ever before. You never rescind the call for us to show honor and respect. And it begins with our home. We as, as children who still have our fathers, mothers living, Lord, help us to show them respect. Regardless of where they're at spiritually, I pray, Lord, you teach me to honor my mom, to help her to understand the best that I can that I hold her in high esteem. And I think the world of my mom. And to be able to sit beside her at 94 and, and hold her hand and tell her I love her and give her a kiss on her forehead, give her a hug. I don't know what that means to her, but I know what it means to me. And I believe I understand in part what it means to you. So I pray, Lord, as we think about love, we would, we would know the Father's love. We would have welcomed that through faith in his only son, Jesus Christ. And because the Holy Spirit, who is love, dwells inside of us, we can love. We can model and give an example to our world that has lost the meaning of love, respect. Father, may we go out of our way to encourage school teachers and administrators and cafeteria help and nurses in the hospital and on and on the list can go. Those who are on the front lines, 
who don't experience very much respect for what they do, not even a thank you. I pray, Lord, those in this church would be different. We would go out of our way to write a letter or to make a visit or to, um, to volunteer. Say, can I help in the cafeteria or whatever it might be, a teacher's aid out in the playground, on and on the lists go and the needs are great. But Father, I, I pray that we would, we would be a people who very easily and quickly model respect and honor. And I do that, Lord, and pray that in Jesus' name and for his great name's sake. Amen. Amen.